Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, about a 13-minute Bible study. We get into God's Word every single day, and that helps keep us strong in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But being in God's Word every day, even for these few minutes, also helps keep us in touch in our relationship with God and helps keep us focused on our souls and upon eternity. Well, you know people in your life who need to turn their life around, don't you? They need to get into God's word. In fact, they need to come to God through Jesus Christ. You probably know some in your own family like that. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody get to heaven by doing so. Won't that be great for them? Wonderful blessing, but it will also be a wonderful blessing for you. So make up your mind and make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We began last time asking the question, can God save a crook? Well, it's, it's a representative kind of question. We could say, could God save a cheater? Could God save an adulterer? Could God save an adulteress? Can God save uh, a murderer? The list could go on and on as far as the questions are concerned, the specific applications, but we simply ask the question in a representative way, can God save a crook? Well, can God save a crook? We looked in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and we read the first two verses there, and it talks about Jesus while he was in his ministry upon this earth being with some, well, some of them might have been crooks. It says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes, now these would have been religious leaders within the Jewish community, they complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, that was a repulsive thought for them to think that here is this man, Jesus, claiming to be the Son of God, claiming to be the Messiah that had been prophesied for hundreds of years in the Old Testament scriptures, and here he is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Well, again, tax collectors were looked down upon by the Jewish community of that day as being among the worst, the vilest of the sinners because of their practices in gouging the, their own people for tax money, to put in their own pockets. We, look also, we looked also at Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, and we got into a more detailed understanding of Jesus being in this kind of a setting, and, and probably more than once, maybe a number of times. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 10, we read this. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, in other words, a meal, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his, to his disciples, why does your teacher eat and eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, again, they thought this would be absolutely opposed 
to what he was claiming to be. He would not associate with tax collectors and sinners, certainly not sit down and eat with them in a casual way. Well, could you imagine being in the presence of Jesus without Jesus reaching out to you and teaching you the gospel, teaching you about who he is and what he came to this earth for? But the Pharisees, oh, the, well, he, a righteous man, a godly man would not be in such a setting. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, he was using a simple illustration that they could relate to and say, uh, well people don't go see a doctor. Sick people do. And the application, of course, is these people, these tax collectors, these sinners, they need the Savior. That's why they're here. Verse 13 goes on, and Jesus continues saying, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And ultimately, that means everybody, even those Pharisees, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3 verses 9 and 10. Well, tax collectors and sinners... Can God save a crook? We also looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, the unrighteous uh, sinners, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then Paul lays out a rather short, he, he lays out several representative lists of sinful lifestyles that'll keep a person out of heaven if they're not repented of and sought forgiveness for by those who are living in those lifestyles. So he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves. There's your crooks. But a whole lot of other sinful lifestyles are represented in this list as well. And it's just a representative list. It's not all inclusive. Nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if that's where the text ended, where Paul's statement ended, then the Pharisees back there, the scribes might have said, see, see, we told you, you shouldn't be with tax collectors and sinners. But Paul goes on. And he's writing this to the Christians in Corinth. And so he's just gone through this list of sinful practices, sinful lifestyles that'll keep a person out of heaven. And then he says in verse 11, and such and such were some of you. Some of you took, play, took part lived in those kinds of lifestyles or similar sinful lifestyles that would keep a person out of heaven without their having repented of them and sought forgiveness for through Jesus Christ. Such were some of you before you became Christians, in other words. But you were washed. You were washed by the blood of Christ as they were baptized into him for the remission of their sins, Acts 2 and verse 38 and Acts 22 and verse 16. But you were sanctified, set apart from the world. You came into Christ as you were baptized into him. 
but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, my. Can God save a crook? The Apostle John wrote to Christians in 1 John, that particular letter, and notice what he wrote in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Hmm. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. But now let's go back to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can God save a crook? Certainly can. An adulterer or an adulteress? Oh, yes. A murderer? Yes. God can save a crook. Some people think, well, I'm just too bad to be good. I, I'm, I, I've done so many bad things. Surely God can't forgive me. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Now, that means he's exercising patience while we're still here on this earth. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That word all again, A-L-L, that includes you. You think God can't forgive you? God doesn't want to forgive you? God's waiting to forgive you if you will repent and come to him through Jesus Christ. Surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, God's waiting for you to come to him. Are you holding back from surrendering to Christ because you think you're not good enough? You're not good enough. Nobody's good enough. I'm not good enough. But God has made the way for us to be forgiven and saved anyway, because he loves us that much. Do you believe that you have done too much that is too evil for God to forgive you? Do you feel unworthy to be a Christian? All of us in reality could say, well, the truth is I have done too many things that are too evil. I have done too much that is too bad. I don't, I am not worthy to be a Christian. But God sent his son to that cross to die to pay the price for the guilt of all of our sins, and not just yours and mine, but the sins of all mankind for all time. He sent him to that cross for that purpose, to be that one time for all time, perfect sacrifice for all of us. And that includes you, as bad as you might have been in your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, come back to God. Be brought back into a right relationship with him. And then verse 21, for he made him, that is God made Christ, who knew no sin, 
to be sin for us, not to be sinful, but to be, but to bear our sins on his body as he hung on that cross, as that perfect sacrifice. God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him that is in Christ. God loves you that much. He loves a crook that much. You might think the worst of the worst. You might even be names. You might even be able to name names through history. But God sent his son to die on that cross for all mankind in all kinds of sinful practices and lifestyles. Now, they can't remain in those sinful practices and lifestyles. He sent his son to call them to repentance. What did Jesus say again? I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. God can save a crook. God can save you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die for us, that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven and redeemed and brought back into a right relationship with you, Father. Praise be to you. Thank you so much. Please help us and guide us to take advantage of your love and your patience to come to you through Jesus Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.